In chapter 14, we're talking about faith crossings. A faith crossing is, as we've said before, an obedient response to the call, upon, a call of God upon your life. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. We call it a faith crossing because you are trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. And one of the things we've noted about faith crossings in the book of Joshua, and it's just true throughout Scripture, it's just a, it's a principle, is that faith crossings often result in the extraordinary activity of God. When you do what God wants you to do, God's got something on the other side of that that only He can do. Faith crossings fail when sin places a roadblock between us and the presence and power of God. But when we repent of our sin and we return to God, we position ourselves to experience anew the extraordinary activity of God. And when we looked at the Gibeonites, which is another one of those interesting stories uh, in the book of Joshua, we learned that when we make a faith crossing, we place ourselves under the protective care of God's providence. So as we look at chapter 14 of the book of Joshua, the land is being divided, and now each individual tribe is going to have an opportunity to make faith crossings all their own. They've been doing this, you remember, as a whole congregation. They've been walking together. But now they're going to go their separate ways, and they each have their assignment. And so in the 14th chapter, here's the tribe of Judah. It's their opportunity. And from the tribe of Judah steps forward a lion of a man, and his name is Caleb. And so we're going to pick up in verse 6 of chapter 14 and read through verse 15 and then come back and make some observations about it. Then the sons of Judah drew near to Joshua in Gilgal, and Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, the Kenezite, said to him, You know the word which the Lord spoke to Moses, the man of God, concerning you and me in Kadesh Barnea. I was 40 years old. When Moses, the servant of the Lord, sent me from Kadesh Barnea to spy out the land, and I brought back word to him as it was in my heart. Nevertheless, my brethren who went up with me made the heart of the people melt with fear, but I followed the Lord my God fully. So Moses swore on that day, saying, Surely the land on which your foot has trodden will be an inheritance to you and your children forever, because you have followed the Lord my God fully. Now, behold, the Lord has let me live, just as he spoke these forty-five years, from the time that the Lord spoke this word to Moses, when Israel walked in the wilderness. And now, behold, I am eighty-five years old today. I am still as strong today as I was in the day Moses sent me. As my strength was then, so my strength is now for war and for going out and coming in. Now then, give me this hill country about which the Lord spoke on that day. For you heard on that day that Anakim were there with great fortified cities. Perhaps the Lord will be with me and I will drive them out as the Lord has spoken. So Joshua blessed him and gave Hebron to Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, for an inheritance. 
Therefore Hebron became the inheritance of Caleb, the son of Jephunneh the Kenezite, until this day, because he followed the Lord God of Israel fully. Now the name of Hebron was formerly Kiriath Arba, for Arba was the greatest man among the Anakim. Then the land had rest from war. Pretty interesting passage of scripture there. Uh, maybe a little bit confusing because you don't know all the bits and pieces about who all these people were, but maybe we'll put it together as we go through. Most of the faith, tonight we're going to talk about, by the way, making faith crossings in later life. I think we can say at 85 years old that Caleb was in later life. Most of the faith crossings that we make in our spiritual lives are made in the company of some person or persons who share that faith crossing with us. We have somebody that God assigns, a, maybe a congregation of people or some soulmate, and Joshua had a soulmate, and that soulmate, that friend who made these faith crossings alongside of him, it was Caleb. Caleb was this extraordinary man of God who for 40 years in the wilderness walked in faith and battled in faith and trusted in God. Uh, none of us can make a faith crossing alone. It's, it's not a journey that we make alone. Uh, we may have an assignment from God that comes to us individually, but most of the time there's somebody who will walk alongside us and, and encourage us. So in this 14th chapter of Joshua, as you see, 45 years have passed since the spies first looked at the land, and now after 45 years, God is renewing a call to an old heart, and, and that heart is Joshua. God's reminding, or, I mean Caleb, God is reminding Caleb of that former commitment. At this point in my life, I have a, a little bit better journey, of, a little bit better perspective of 40-year journeys than I did early on. This month is my 49th anniversary of preaching my first sermon. I preached back in 1974 at the age of 17. And so I understand a little bit about 40-year journeys now better than I did. And I made several faith crossings across the years. Sometimes, uh, as a result of that faith crossing, I was able to see the extraordinary activity of God. Sometimes my own faith crossing failed because of some sin in me or some disobedience to God. When we are younger, we make faith crossings, even as young Christians, because of the thrill of adventure. And you young girls down here may learn that one day. The Lord may ask you to do something like go on a mission trip, and you'll be so excited to go on a mission trip. But when you get older, sometimes there's a little pause in the things that God asks you to do and what you were so eager and excited to do years before. Now you see uh, a little bit more of the difficulty. You see a little bit more of the risk, and so you might be a little reluctant. And that's why we often hear people say, well, I think it's time to give somebody else an opportunity to serve. Let the younger generation step up because I've done my time. But that is not an example that we find in Scripture. There is no retirement 
from following God. So tonight we consider this remarkable faith crossing of Caleb. I want to give you just some characteristics now, and I'll try to outline this for you and not keep you the full two hours that I had intended to keep you on Easter Sunday night. The, number one, the prime characteristic of Caleb's early life had been his entire devotion to God. And here in his later years, he remains so devoted. He had followed the Lord fully in the wilderness. He followed the Lord fully through the wilderness. He followed the Lord fully when they came into the promised land. Faith crossings demand such an entire devotion to God. Only through such absolute dependence on God will a faith crossing be successful. That's number one. Number two, faith crossings are never based on our own dreams of what we will do for God, but on the promises that God has made about what He will do for us. You can mark that down. Not on dreams about what you're going to do, but on promises about what God, what, that God has made about what He will do for us. What Caleb is doing during his conversation with Joshua, if you'll notice, is reflecting on a promise God had made 45 years before. A promise he believed on the day God made it. A promise he never forgot. And it was on the strength of that promise that Caleb is making his faith crossing. At 85, he's still interested in fulfilling his assignment from God and laying claim to this promise from God. And thus he's ready to launch out and make this faith crossing in later life. Number three, it's to be noted that Caleb was leading a delegation. Notice that. It's the tribe of Judah. Caleb steps up as the leader. Faith crossings in later life model faith to future generations, teaching them to trust and follow God. The young people in this church, the young families in this church, will never learn to trust and follow God if they don't see the deacons lead out in faith, if they don't see the older heads in this church be willing to take some steps of faith and to have courage, to have trust in God, trust that's learned, trust that God has earned from in you. He's put it in you because He's earned it. He's been faithful and so you want to be faithful to God and teach the generation that comes behind you to be faithful. Remember, as we've said all the way through this, somebody always has to go first. Joshua was the one who was called. God said, you rise and cross the Jordan. And then it was the priest. They had to put their feet in the water. Somebody always has to go first and lead the way. Here it's Caleb leading the generation. Are you taking steps of faith? Are we taking steps of faith as a church or have we retired so that we, we say we no longer follow God as wholeheartedly as we once did? If those who come behind us are going to make faith crossings of their own, then they're going to have to find us faithful. We're going to have to leave some steps of faith that they will follow. Will our steps of faith lead them to the brink of a faith crossing all their own? 
I have a paragraph here I want to read from F.B. Meyer. He said this about Caleb. He said, Caleb was always strong and true and pure and noble like a rock in a restless sea. He was like a snow-capped peak in a change of cloud and storm and sun, a man in whose strong nature weaker men could hide and who must have been a tower of strength to that young and new generations which grew up to fill the vacant places of leadership in the congregation of Israel. Is there a Caleb in this church who will lead the way to the, for the next generation to make a faith crossing? Next, number four, those who make faith crossings do so with confidence in an overruling hand of providence that guides and guards their lives. If you will notice, Caleb said, the Lord has let me live. That's an 85-year-old man. The Lord has let me live. I've come this far by faith, but I've also come this far in the providence of God because I know that he promises three score and ten if by reason of strength four score. I've exceeded that, so I know the Lord has let me live. He's got a purpose for me. He's got a plan for me. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't through the providence of God. David wrote in Psalm 73 verse 24, With your counsel you will guide me. And afterward, receive me to glory. But not until. Not until you've given me counsel and I followed your counsel. And if I'm still here, then it's not over. Until he does, I have a purpose here. Are you fulfilling that purpose? And are you living your life to the glory of God? Next, one of the things that charged Caleb's heart about the land of Hebron. One of the things that charged his heart about it, one of the things that got him excited about it, is not that it was easy, it was that it was difficult. Such notions fill the hearts of those who make faith crossings. They are thrilled by the challenge and energized by the opportunity. Uh, you know, we could, I don't agree with everything that John F. Kennedy said but I'm just going to bring him up for the random Democrat that might be here tonight. September the 12th, 1962. He would also be a prime example of somebody who probably couldn't pay away all the indiscretions that he had. But he did make some good sayings. We have to say that about him. And one of the things he said on September the 12th, 1962, and you'll remember it, he said, we choose to go to the moon in this decade and do the other things not because they are easy, but because they are hard. It's a challenge, and the challenge inspires us. And I want to tell you what, as Christians, it ought to be the same way for us. The challenge ought to inspire us, and it was the challenge that inspired Caleb. It's the hard things that make a man and make a leader. 
not easy things. This is particularly true in the life of a man of God. Caleb was not ready to be less of a man of God at 85, but to be more of a man of God. He was not afraid of the journey because he trusted the Lord to be with him. So he said, the Lord has let me live. And you remember what the Lord promised. I, I was trudging through the land of Hebron, and the Lord said the land that I uh, that I was walking through, that that land would be my land. And he said, now I'm ready to claim it. And so uh, he said, uh, Caleb did, I understand that there are giants there. That's the Anakim. The Anakim were giants, giant men, and they lived in giant cities, great walled cities that exceeded the walls of Jericho. And Caleb was thrilled by the opportunity, thrilled by the, the, the assignment that God had given him. And so finally, we say about Caleb, like all those who make faith crossings, he anticipated, he anticipated the extraordinary activity of God. He thought, God can give me this hill country. That means if God's going to give me this hill country, God's going to give me those walled cities. If God gives me those walled cities, that means he's going to give me the giants that live behind them. Caleb was not intimidated by the challenge. He was invigorated by the challenge because it was the assignment that God had given him. What is the dream of God's heart for your life? What is it he's calling you to do? Now, one of the things that we need to understand, and I, look, I'm just like you. I, I look at life sometimes and I think, well, maybe it's time for me to drive a spike, that golden spike, and say, I finished my journey. Is that what God wants you to do? Is that what, is that what the Christian life is about? We drive the golden spike and say, well, I'm through and now I can rest and I can give the job to somebody else and let somebody else do it. That's not the example we see here in the life of Caleb. Caleb was the man who wanted to fulfill God's will for his life. He had a passion for Hebron. And one of the reasons he did, if you, I don't know if you know or not, but Hebron was the only part of the promised land that was paid for. There was one little section of Hebron that was paid for. It's called the Cave of Machpelah. And that was where, that was the old homestead of Abraham. That's where Abraham lived. That's where God came to Abraham and made the promise. He and Sarah the promise. The angels came and made them a promise of a son. And when Sarah died, Abraham bought the cave of Machpelah as a burial place for Sarah. And he buried her there. Buried her there. He was buried there. And later, uh, it was just a one of those places that was dear to Caleb's heart. And he said, I want this place. This is my place. This is what God promised me. And now I'm ready to do whatever it takes to make it happen. I'm ready to fulfill my assignment from God. A faith crossing is an obedient response to the call of God upon your life. It is moving from where you are to where God wants you to be. It's a faith crossing because you're trusting God with the uncertainty of your journey. Faith crossings 
often result in the extraordinary activity of God, and I'm assuming it did, because the 14th chapter ends with this one sentence, and the land had rest from war. Let's pray. God, would you help us on our journey to be the people that you want us to be and to do what you've called us to do. Lord, there are challenges before us, before all of us. There are difficulties in fulfilling our assignment. And Lord, in this culture in which we live, those difficulties may grow larger and larger, but they will not exceed your greatness or your glory. We can do whatever it is you have called us to do. Help us, Lord, not to be afraid, but to trust in you and to follow you fully the way Caleb did. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.